This is officially episode 83 of the Bumper Sticker Faith podcast. My name is Sam. I'm here uh, by myself in the in the Bumper Sticker Faith uh, studio. Lewis is uh, still taking some uh, much needed time off, and uh, but I'm still putting out uh, episodes, still digging into some things here, and um, I'm here this morning. It's morning here in Chicago area, but I'm here with Emily Verdine. And Emily, you're not in Chicago, you're in Bulgaria. So welcome to uh, Bumper Sticker Faith. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. And you're there in Bulgaria because your husband is from Bulgaria, correct? Yes, my husband is from Bulgaria. So here we are in Bulgaria. (laughs) Okay. Yeah, and I did go uh, look on that map to see just exactly where where it's at by Greece. Yeah. Um, so yeah, welcome to the show. And I learned of you because I interviewed um, Jack Baumgartner, and you um, noticed that. So, what about the uh, Jack episode? Just starting you off with that question. What, what was something about the Jack Baumgartner episode that stood out to you or that resonated with you? Yeah, that was a really great, I don't know, that was a great conversation. Um, Jack is so interesting. Yeah, he is. Yeah, and I just started, I just started following him maybe a few weeks before and just seeing, I I never really seen anything like what he's doing. It's very unique and his perspective is very unique and it's very inspiring. Um, And he has such particular work, but the way he talks about things and his experience was just, I don't know. I don't even know what to say about it. It was just very moving. Yeah. Um, yeah. How I, vulnerable he is and how open. Yeah. Yeah. Open. Yeah. I started uh, noticing his work, I don't know, several months ago, maybe a half year ago. And, but then he posted this, these uh, short videos of his, of his poetry and about Christianity and, I thought, oh, that's something that's interesting that I want to uh, just learn more about. And since then, um, yeah, he is so open, so so willing to be vulnerable, and but he's seeking uh, the truth too. So Jack is an artist. For those of you maybe who didn't know, and Emily, I'm sorry, I should didn't even properly inter- introduce you, but Emily uh, Verdine is an artist too, and um, you call your art. Uh, visionary Christian art. And I want to, I want to get into what that's about, but first maybe back up, uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, where you, where you're from, um, how you're, uh, how you got into art. That's, that's a dumb question I realized, but cause art kind of finds you, but that's okay. We have to start somewhere. Yeah. I guess. Talk about uh, the process. Sure. Um, let's see. I'm from Michigan. I'm from West Michigan. I went to a small art school in West Michigan in Grand Rapids. Um, I studied illustration, which is, uh, I don't really do, it's not exactly, I don't know if it's illustration, what I'm doing, but there's different departments in, in art schools. There's like fine art painting and illustration is focused on narrative. So for me, it kind of makes sense with what I'm doing. Um, in that I'm usually focused on narrative in a way, not exactly illustrating books all the time or movies or something, but it's heavily influenced by narrative. So, 
So I studied illustration. Um, let's see. And I don't know. I mean, about halfway through art school, it just, it, I was very, I kind of figured out there were no, there's not a lot of jobs for artists. There's mm-hmm. not a whole lot going on. So I kind of almost gave up on it in a way, but after I got out of school, it was like, I couldn't leave it alone. Um, now, and what I was really interested in was religious art basically, okay. but there was no place for that, I guess, where, where I was studying and kind of what they prep you for. Um, but when I kind of started getting into it on my own, that's what I gravitated towards. So now, kind was, of made... was your family particularly artistic? No, no, not really. Um, no, not, not at all. Okay. <laughs> I'm from a pretty like conservative, uh, you know, like like blue collar, you know, working class family mm-hmm. that not really, not really into it, but. Uh, okay. Yeah. And were they particularly religious at all? Do you have a faith background? Well, we, we never went to church regularly. Um, maybe like on Easter or Christmas, but the, I mean, reading the Bible was very important in my upbringing. You know, my dad made sure I was, I was reading the children's Bible and then, you know, the, just reading the Bible a lot, but we didn't go to church. So it was never a, um, like a group thing for me. It was kind of, it was like reading the stories, you mm-hmm. know, the stories were really important, but I didn't have a community context for it. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to school, it was very, you know, it was very secular basically, but I had this kind of underlying Christian foundation. So you can imagine I was kind of confused mm-hmm. about the whole thing, I guess. So art has been a way for me to kind of explore that and connect to it, I suppose, in a more proper way. Yeah. So you have this religious like instinct in you that's been wanting to, excuse me, been wanting to come out and you, and you chose, well, and then you went into art wanting to explore that more. I mean, I really just went to art school because everybody said you should go to college and I I didn't really want to do anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I didn't, it wasn't really a good reason. Um, it was just that I, I just wasn't interested in anything else. So, so here I am, but uh, yeah, it was just, it was the thing. It's just almost like a compulsion, you know, you just can't help but do it. So. Yeah. Okay. So then the, um, the uh, visionary Christian art, What what does that mean? Um, it, I made it up. So I like so it. I don't know if you're familiar with the term vision with visionary art, um, like, uh, like Alex Gray or something like that. There's, there's kind of, there's like a scene in the U S there's a European scene, I suppose too, but okay. it's usually some, it's usually, um, inner experiences, I guess you could say. And in the U S like in Denver in particular, there's a big psychedelic visionary art scene you know it's very much based around um you know taking acid or doing mushrooms mm-hmm. and then you know kind of painting your experiences and i really love that style of artwork um you know and i might have toyed with that a bit in college and mm-hmm. and whatnot but really um you know i couldn't really fit in with that scene because it's a lot of new age you know mm-hmm. a lot of people into maybe like buddhism or you know there's that kind of flavor to it but i I'm like, well, my stuff is particularly, it's Christian, you mm-hmm. know, my, I'm embedded in that, in that context. So for me, it's, it's, that's what it's going to be. Mm-hmm. So I had to make up, but I, I was like, I have to, you know, it can't just say visionary and it can't just say Christian. I'm kind of going to mix these things up a little yeah. bit. So 
And it was the only thing I could think that would kind of describe a little bit of what I was doing. I had a hard time figuring that out. Okay. So you, you looked at like the visionary art movement or the psychedelic visionary, but you wanted to make sure that it was grounded, rooted in the narrative of, of the Bible story. Right. Yeah. I kind of needed to make that distinction because otherwise it's, uh, and two, it doesn't, you could probably look at my artwork and not know that it's like, you wouldn't go, oh, those are Bible stories necessarily. Nice. Um, because I'm not just copying icons or, um, you know, that kind of thing. So I, I wanted to make sure it was kind of out there because I'm, I'm, I'm don't really feel associated with, you know, the, like the, like the other visionary kind of, uh, movement, I guess, mm-hmm. or there's a lot of drugs going on. There's a lot of, um, like Alex Gray or like in the, in Denver, it's crazy. Cause I think they legalize mushrooms there or something like that, but, um, that's not the focus of, of mm-hmm. what I'm trying to do. So kind of just wanted to make that clear. So how did, how did you get so fascinated and interested in, in the, in the Bible stories and like, why are those the ones that make the most sense to you? And I, I know you um, were reading Carl Jung and then you had an experience, experiences listening to Jordan Peterson, but tell, tell us about that aspect because like, probably the people who listen to this podcast the most are not as familiar with that. Although, although I am uh, to a certain extent and um, Carl Jung and I've, you know, dropped his name a few times on the podcast, but um, he's been important to me too. And, and Jordan Peterson and then Jonathan Pajot and that have been important to me. And, I didn't even realize that when I initially asked you to be on the podcast. Um, I just, the, the reason I asked you was like, I looked at your, at your art and I thought like, this is like, it's really clicking for me. Like I, I, I you're like on another level um, than what I'm used to seeing in art. And it made sense with some of the uh, symbolic stuff, uh, the visionary stuff that, had been resonating and, and helping me so much. And then as it turns out, I've, I've learned that you've been influenced by those uh, folks as well. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'll try not to, it's hard to say to not go off on little tangents with all of these things, but um, yeah, it's all right. Well, yeah, it happens. Um, well, well, I guess kind of like everybody, I went to college and I started kind of deconstructing, you know, the sort of faith that was kind of instilled in me in childhood. But I was trying to understand, you know, I really wanted to understand. It was really important to me because it didn't feel functional. I didn't know what to do with it. And it was more like a intellectual construct and I needed it to work like in my day to day life. But like I said, we didn't really go to church. I didn't have a a community of people who were like-minded necessarily, you know, um, there was, I didn't know about like CS Lewis or something mm-hmm. like that. There was just kind of nowhere to go. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that would have helped at the time, but there was kind of, I didn't have an outlet for that. So I started reading, um, about early Christianity because I thought like, if I could get to the bottom of the story, maybe it would make sense yeah. somehow, which was silly because I was approaching it even in like this very, um, secular almost like historical 
materialistic mm-hmm. kind of way. the very thing but you really, were rejecting I, yeah exactly but i didn't know you yeah. know i was just saturated in it i was just looking and yeah. um i got really into that but it was really um what's the word it was very disheartening i suppose because i, I wasn't looking in the right places but and i had kind of been used to this sort of very literal interpretation mm-hmm. of the bible i suppose something like that like it's textbook yeah and stumbled into Jung. Um, I think I was like 20, something like that. And that really made sense. You know, he talks about dreams. He's talking about symbolism. You know, it's the imagery is very mm-hmm. important. And that really clicked because, you know, I think like that. Mm-hmm. I, I think pictures, I think that way. But I had a few weird experiences that I guess kind of just solidified it for me. You know, I was, I kind of like dabbled with you know, maybe I'll meditate in Buddhism and whatever, mm-hmm. but it wasn't, it wasn't working. Um, and I didn't really, I just wasn't into it, but I had a, I don't know, I guess a vision of, of, it was like the presence of Christ. I just sort of, I don't know. I just kind of knew that it was like somebody else was in the room with me and it was very moving and it was really weird. And I mm-hmm. didn't know what to do with that at all. It was like shocking, mm-hmm. you know, and I didn't tell anybody because it was, <laughs> you know, that's weird. That sounds crazy. That's what I thought, but it kind of made me stick with it. You know, I was like, well, that was real. Mm -hmm. So there's something going on here. And so I'll just keep struggling with this feeling. And I guess it was, I don't know, within six months to a year after that, I, I, um, I took acid and I had a very mystical experience and after that i just didn't i didn't have doubts anymore after Mm -hmm. that you know i was is this real isn't it it was i was like no this is a this is a reality this is the way things work i just don't understand it i don't know how to deal with this new way of looking at things i guess it just sort of transformed my um sort of materialistic secular you know scientific like the very modern kind of way we look at things it just blew that out of the water. And so I was like, okay, now I have to figure all this out. Yeah. Let's pause and like break that down as far as like what you mean by a a very materialistic outlook on the world, because I think you're, I think you're right on. And I think, and for me, that's what's been so helpful about um, guys like Carl Jung or, or CS Lewis for that matter. um, Or GK Chesterton. But what do you mean by very, like, what do you mean by like maybe Christians or the church or the whole world has this material mindset versus what, what's this other thing? It's almost hard to, it's hard to describe, I guess I'll try. Um, I guess I was looking at everything and I, it wasn't, I wasn't doing it on purpose, you know, it was just kind of like things and, and you kind of take it for granted and you go, okay, like, like the world is kind of this dead material thing like it's made out of matter it's like um mechanical you know we think we talk about our bodies in this mechanical way if i put this chemical here if i put you know it's a it's very it's like lego pieces you snap them together you're Mm -hmm. gonna but but that's not um it really denies that there's a spiritual reality or that there's an inner reality which is where you experience you know those things Mm -hmm intermingle but that's where you bump into those things i guess and um i don't know like material it was just that it looked like everything was dead i guess Mm -hmm. it didn't feel that way i didn't think that before but i kind of think that now 
um, because, you know, it was because of what I experienced when I was on acid, which is what makes a lot of Christians very uncomfortable. And mm-hmm. I totally understand that. Mm-hmm. And I don't not think everybody should take acid or anything like that. But it was, um, it opened my eyes to how much I did not know, mm-hmm. you know, that I was very boxed in, that I had this understanding of the world that was not complete whatsoever. And I saw that everything was alive. You know, there was a spirit moving through matter that animated it. You know, there's, um, you know, Carl Jung's term, the anima, the, to animate, it animates, you know, it's the soul of things. So I don't know, that's probably not a, it's so hard for me to articulate it, I guess, well, but it just. Like G.K. Chesterton in his orthodoxy talks about um, what what materialism and then science does did for us was you know did for us was it just repl- it 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 took that animated part it took that living part that god part and, and it replaced it with a natural law so like you think of the law of gravity for instance so now that we understand and we can make a you know a formula out of how things fall well then um just that natural law does it and god doesn't cause things to fall anymore which, right. and then we're like, oh, okay, well, that's just a natural law. And science has done that so much for us with like almost absolutely everything can explain everything. And so then I just envision God just kind of, okay, being kicked out of every process. And so those, those things are, are like you said, they're, they're dead now. They're not alive. Yeah. They're controlled by something that's not living. Um, but I don't think that that's the case. I believe that every time something falls, God is delighted to make that thing fall. That's what he wants it to do. That's how he set up his world. You know, every every morning the sun rises, God ha- is very joyful to make his sun to rise. Um, it's not just something that's, um, that's dead. And mm-hmm. I think that in, in our, in our world and in the, in, in the church world too, we've, so imbibed and embraced that, that yeah, God, God is okay. So then where is God now? And then for like, for, for me, where I come from us evangelicals, it's like, well, God is in salvation. Okay. He's still there. Science still can't, you know, die on the cross for our sins. And that's like the only place where God then is actively, you know, working and everything else is, you know, uh, science has it all taken care of. But I don't like that view of the world because I don't, it's, it's not, it's not true and it's real. And I love, um, I love what you're saying that, that you had these experiences and God uses all kinds of things in people's lives. God loves to use humble means to get our attention and to wake us up. And now suddenly you're um, seeing that everything is alive and animated and you want to try to capture that with your art. Yes. And to like, get with it, you know, I mean, like to be, um, to, to live it, live my life out as though that is the reality, Mm. not as an intellectual construct, you know, um, because it's easy. Those two things are divorced, you know, kind of your thinking and the way you're doing things. And I want them to be together, you know, so to be integrated. yeah, to be integrated as much as you can be, mm-hmm. you know. And, um, and if you want to talk about, you know, get into like Jordan Peterson, I mean, that was how he opened his biblical lectures was by basically saying that our thinking and our, he calls it the dream. He says it's not integrated and it's not aligned. And I was like, oh, that's it. That's the mm-hmm. thing. 
he put into words what everybody was feeling and um, through his Genesis um, lectures. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he just said it all in the first, I don't know, 15, 20 minutes. He just laid out this problem and I was like, Oh, that's it. That's, that's what I've already been experiencing, but it's not just me now. It's a, you know, I can, you know, before at a certain point, I didn't know that it, this was kind of everybody's problem or this was many people. This mm-hmm. was a collective problem. I was like, Oh, there's something wrong with me. I don't understand. You know, I don't know how to solve this. Like if I could just put the parts in the right place or something like that. But um, so explain what he said again, as you he, recall, he basically says something like our thinking or our articulated knowledge, our known territory is divorced from the dream. He calls it the dream. You know, Jung would say the unconscious. You could say like the emotional, like bodily substrate that we're inhabiting that we don't know anything. You know, you don't mm-hmm. know what makes your body go. Mm-hmm. You don't know what makes most things go. And your thinking is just this tiny piece of you. And it's detached. I guess that's another way of looking at kind of materialism or modern thinking is your thinking is like detached from your being. You're like, you talk about yourself like you're a little like machine and and you're, we talk about people like we're, I don't know, like ants or something. You don't talk about yourself like you're living your human experience. It's kind of even in the language mm. that we use so often, um, especially when we talk about our health and our sickness and things like that it's kind of disturbing once you notice it um so he said that these things are not aligned and when he said it, i was like that is exactly mm-hmm. he just hit the nail right on the head and i mean it, it clicked um in a big way but i guess i was trying to stick with christianity before that not trying i mean i was, mm-hmm. I was just confused you know, it needed to be untangled it needed to be laid out a little bit more properly so i could understand it but yeah, so I, I had that experience and I was like, okay, there's definitely, you know, a much bigger thing going on here than I understand. I don't know anything. Um, all of these things, you know, like there's a real, <laughs> there's like, there's a religious reality that's real, mm-hmm. though, for sure. And before that, I didn't know. I was like, nothing, you know, everything is very ordinary. Everything is very normal and kind of dead. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the world we're living in. And after that, I was like, oh, there's a whole, there's a whole world outside of that, that I didn't anticipate. So in the uh, yeah. screw tape letters, I'm sorry, what was that? Oh, nothing. I just oh. said it kind of it flipped a switch for me. It was, it. All, it was, it was like a turning point. Got it. Go ahead. In the, in the screw tape letters uh, by C.S. Lewis, the one of the devils says to the other one, um, uh, constantly remind the humans that what they do with their bodies does not affect their souls. Uh, and so like postures and prayer or just that, that's that the, the, the demons want us to be disintegrated and to be cut off from parts of ourselves and not. And so like um, what Jordan Peterson did for me at first is along those lines where I was in a dark period of my life and everything was chaos and, and falling apart, you know, self-inflicted by me. And I had been through all this therapy and like everything was in my life felt like just, I don't know, chaos and just leveled. And I'm trying, you know, I was trying to put life back together in that, but stumbling upon uh, him and his very, uh, just the very pragmatic, practical, 
like go fight a dragon, <laughs> you know, go find chaos in your life, go clean your room. And because there's a connection between that and, and everything. Right. And that's that connection that, that, that you're, that you're talking about, I think. And I thought, I remember thinking, okay, I don't know, I don't know how to put my life back together, but I know my basement is a disaster right now in my house. <laughs> like that feels like a, a dragon. It's definitely chaos that I can begin to conquer slowly. And that's all I knew to do. And, you know, you, you start to put that in order at that, at that place, especially the basement. I mean, that's, that's great. Um, mm. And so, so for me, it, it began there and then continuing, you know, to listen to him and, and have my own therapy in that. But, but then Jonathan Pajot, you know, came upon the scene and then my heart really <laughs> leapt for joy because here's a serious uh, Christian not um, completely agreeing with everything Peterson said, but taking in it, taking, um, well, I don't know what he did. He didn't take it in a new direction. He, he just, I, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts about um, what did Pajot do and how did he relate to? I, I mean, it was a big deal because... Well, okay, so Peterson is a Jungian, right? And that makes a lot of people, it makes some people uncomfortable. Yeah. And Pajot is not a Jungian. No, but, yeah. you know, he's saying exactly the same thing. He just uses different language. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you can quibble about the details and sure. But the big yeah. picture is that we've lost this symbolic way of thinking, which is really the language of the soul. I mean, that's what a dream is. It comes to you in these images that are symbolic. Mm -hmm. And so... I mean, Jung was doing something, it was, you know, he was bridging religion and science and whatever, but Peugeot was doing it from a purely Christian mm -hmm. uh, perspective. So, and I think, I think, I suspect that Christians desperately need that. Mm -hmm. um, it's been kind of removed somehow, or I mean, just like everything else, but to get it from a Christian perspective where you go, okay, now it clicks, it makes sense. It's like, it's, it's enriching the stories and the, your understanding and I mean, he was great for, especially, I, I don't listen to it so much now, or, but it was, especially for a while there, it was really interesting. And his brother's book was interesting. Mm -hmm. I was really digging into the stories already on my own. And I remember opening it up and seeing a diagram of Cain and Abel, I think. And mm -hmm. I was working on my Cain and Abel oh, drawing wow. it. And I was like, look, it's the, it's the wow. same. I was so excited. I was like, it's the same thing. Yeah. Because the pattern is already there, right? It's just to see it. Mm-hmm. But it was definitely, it's definitely helpful for sure. Um, and he, you're talking yeah. about, just so people know who aren't familiar, <laughs> um, his brother, Mathieu Peugeot's book, The Language of Creation. It's a commentary on, on Genesis. It's got a lot of diagrams, which is fun. Very short chapters, um, but very deep, very rich. Um, mm -hmm. I've read through it two or three times. Um and and I've heard some complaints about it about about the book and saying it's not really how, but like the way I think about maybe his diagrams or the book or or even or even artwork. Some artwork is like it's it presents the pattern, um, and you're meant to then find that out in your life and in your world, and almost like um, I remember in like chemistry or biology class in, in school, 
where they you would have a book and they'd have a diagram of like a paramecium or, or an amoeba and very clear cut, you know, and has all the little parts. And, and then you go and look under the microscope and I'm like, I don't see it at all. <laughs> it's like yeah. that, that, that picture is not there. I, I can't find it. But, um, and then someone, the teacher would come over and say, no, it's right there. It's like, I don't see it. But the pictures are still important because you really need to get those down and they may show up differently in real life, but you still need the structure and the pattern uh, mm-hmm. in place uh, to see it. So Yeah, so his, his book was really helpful for working out a lot of that and he has so much insight. Um, I can see a little bit. He's very, it's almost systematic. I think he's an engineer, perhaps. Yeah. So yeah. there's probably something to that, you know, thinking in that, you know, he's like systematizing the Bible almost. I think he's a math but, guy. Yeah. So it makes yeah. sense. So maybe that makes me a little uncomfortable. I'm like, is there no wiggle room here? But at the same time, I mean, it's, it's so helpful. Yeah. I mean, big picture besides trying to hair split. It's like, it's really good. Yeah. How about, how about I show some of your art now that we sort of built this little foundation for people. And um, if you're just listening to this, you're going to have to uh, watch the video later. Um, but because there's a video on YouTube for everyone, but I'm going to attempt to share screen and we'll start off with uh, uh, JBP. This is my first time ever sharing a screen, so we'll see how it goes. Um, let's see, is that working? I think so. Yeah. All right, good. Okay. So this one's called JBP, right? Uh, yep. stands for Jordan B. Peterson. Uh, so talk about this one. Well, it was kind of a spur of the moment thing. Um, but I guess I was, it, it was maybe last year or some, mm-hmm. something like that. I was reflecting on the biblical series because I do that from time to time because it was so helpful. I was trying to figure out what did it do for me? Mm-hmm. How did it, you know, what did it affect really? And I was just, you know, I started doodling his face, but really there's, um, I don't know. So somebody asked me once they're like, there's snakes coming out of his mouth. You're yeah. saying like he's like the devil or something. I was like, no, no, no. Um, the way he was speaking when he first kind of appeared on the scene, like 2016, 2017, mm-hmm. and it was just blowing everybody's mind, mm-hmm. but it was, he was just unraveling all these layers of reality. And he was just, he was just speaking so much truth. He was mm-hmm. just so lit up. And I don't know. in 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 that time it felt like it was very prophetic you know he was he was, he was calling you know what was going to happen he was saying he was seeing the pattern mm-hmm. you know unfolding a little bit ahead he was ahead of the game a little bit yeah. and and if you read maps of meaning i mean it's just it's like it's so deep mm-hmm. it just keeps going and he has this weird quote at the beginning of maps of meaning his his you know major work that he wrote a while ago um, it's from Matthew. I can't remember exactly. It says, I will utter things, something like I will utter things unsaid from the foundation of the yeah. world or something really strange like that. And you're going, what, yeah. like, what is this? And, but it, it just, I thought this kind of captured like what he was doing, particularly at that time. I mean, now he's kind of like a news host anchor almost or something, mm-hmm. but, but at that time, I mean, it was, it felt very culturally and personally significant yeah. and symbolic. So, yeah. And it's kind of where it came from. so also like in this, in this picture, 
there, there's snakes coming out of his mouth, but it looks like there's water there too. Yeah. So I think when you get, what is there's a when you get hit with the truth, I think it's it's unknown and it's terrifying and it's that was what it seemed like to me. Yeah. You know, he's like saying so many things at once and it was upsetting a lot of people. And the snake is has a lot of dual meaning. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's, it's associated with the devil in Genesis, but you know, otherwise there's besides that, it has a lot of it has like a dual meaning. There's the good side too. You know, it's mm-hmm. also associated with wisdom and yep. with healing. And so it goes either way. Yeah. Right? That's right. That's right. With wisdom, Jesus said be wise as serpents. But then with with healing too, when um was it Moses who lifted the um yep. the bronze serpent up and people to look yeah. to to be healed. Yeah, I mm-hmm. love that. And I love the now that now that you say more about it, I, I like this image even more, this picture even more because it's like, yeah, he's just probably like vomiting the truth, <laughs> right? Yeah, bringing like the a possessed flood. person. Yeah, like yeah. a prophet. And, right at the beginning, I mean, especially particularly at that time, which was so weird. I mean, I remember yeah. how weird everything felt then, and it was just, it was it was just like he couldn't stop talking. I mean, he still kind of does that. But, yeah, yeah. But at the time, you know, you didn't know who he was and where is this coming from? And just and thousands of people are listening. Millions of people are listening. And he's right. bringing this flood. And, and again, a flood like like uh, Noah's flood, uh, just upsetting, overturning, uh, washing away the old foundations, bringing something new, you know, leveling. I see all that in here. And his eyes are looking upward. Yeah. I liked this picture. image of him almost being in like um, in a static state. Yeah, yeah. Which is also kind. Of, I mean, it's like painful at the same time. I think, mm-hmm. um, because it's uh, that's terrifying mm-hmm. you know, to be in that state. I'm sure. So, um, yeah. I just kind of. I I think I had a screenshot of him looking up, and I just like that's perfect. Yeah, that's, yeah. That catches something. So I remember hearing. Um, um, I forget who it is, but uh, a, a Jungian analyst um, speaking about Jordan Peters. He didn't know him, um, but it was uh, it was on a podcast. They were having a discussion, and this was before Peterson got really sick in like 2018 or 19, uh, whenever Peterson got really sick. But the, the guy was basically saying what you were saying and saying that, Jordan Peterson cannot possibly keep this up. Something bad is going to happen to him because he's being like this lightning rod or this, or this something uh, right. for the culture and, and nobody can sustain that. And then sure mm-hmm. enough, you know, a couple months later, that's when Peterson got really, really sick and people can mm-hmm. read more about uh, his journey into, into sickness in the introduction of his, um, of his book beyond order. I believe it is. So why green though? In this picture, it's in a peppermint green color. Um, yeah, green is the color of the Holy Spirit. I guess mm-hmm. I read that somewhere. I thought mm-hmm. that was just. And I don't usually draw on white paper, but I thought I would just try something out with like basically one color. Um, mm-hmm. Usually, I draw on black paper, and it makes the colored pencil really pop. But when it's on white, it's very dull. So I was like, let's stick with one color and just see how it goes. And I kind of it was started out kind of a doodle, and it just kind of you know went further than that but yeah i just thought green was um i love it
go to uh, the next one uh, that I have, uh, creation, right? <laughs> so, I th- and I think this will really help people um, understand this visionary Christian art, right? And, and, and symbols, but um, this is called creation and you look at it and, you know, I haven't seen this in any children's Bible <laughs> in, in Genesis, um, but talk about, talk about this one. Um, let's see, I guess I, well, when was this? I think I started drawing, I was, I was meditating on Genesis. He, Jordan Peterson had started his thing, but I kind of was like, okay, I really want to get into the first few stories particularly. And then this, you know, the days of creation just really caught my attention. Mm-hmm. And I spent months because I was working. Um, so I was working, but all of my spare time, I was like scribbling feverishly, you know, looking at at this this story and these patterns and they just kept unfolding, you know, mm-hmm. especially when you start with this sort of um, masculine, feminine or light and dark or, you know, this this initial duality mm-hmm. and it just keeps going. Um, and you see that so- in the creation story right away. Right away, yeah, and it and it keeps going even into, well, I I read it into Cain and Abel. I don't know how much there is, but to me, it looked like it just kept going. Mm. Um, with Cain, you know, murdering his brother, and Cain being more attached to the earth, mm-hmm. you know, and his brother being more spiritual. Mm. So, um, yeah. So I was thinking about the different days of the week and what they were signifying, and I was really putting a lot of attention on it for mm-hmm. notebooks filled with you know notes and and whatnot. But this was. I actually did this one last in the series because it's so complicated yeah. that I, it took me so long to just even think about it, but it was a while ago now. It was a few years ago. Um, but I've got the six, you know, six days of the week and then mm-hmm. the center is kind of like zero and seven, you know, there's the beginning and you return back to rest. So, um, and in another image, I have this pattern kind mm-hmm. of as the, uh, the whale, the monster and Jonah, you know, the, the whale mm-hmm. dragon. And um, I just thought that was suitable, like chaos, you know, the initial chaos that everything goes out of and returns to. So, um, yeah. I, I so, guess I don't know and like I notice here, um, Adam is red or or, or yeah. brown, like for, for earth, right? Or something. Yeah, I yep. think I read some, Adam means red earth or something hmm. close to that. Yeah, off, I mean, but- yeah, it means dirt. For sure, Adam right. means means dirt, and then Eve is um, sky color, basically, right? Yeah, she's kind of like a purplish. I yeah. don't know, but she's closer to um, like you could say blue is like more usually spirit, but at the same time, it's like the water, which is more chaotic. Yeah, yeah, because and I have they're kind of matching the sun and the moon too, because they're another like pair. That's right. You know? Now these are meant to be uh, across from each other as well, so. Um, Adam and Eve, then across from um, the mountain and the um, um, inhabited earth, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have like the the birds and the the waters above and the waters below, right? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. so the there's just this duet, like the moon and the woman and the fish. It's all like below, like from below. You know, it's mm-hmm. it's that kind of thing. And then the masculine being like the sun, the bird, the spiritual. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this meeting of heaven and earth, mm-hmm. and I was I, trying to capture that with the colors. Yeah, 
You totally do. And that's so important for us to know as we as we try to understand what what the Bible is doing. And but it's not just but it's not just for the sake of understanding, you know, this head knowledge too. This is how reality works. Right. This is how reality works. There there is this masculine feminine um, duality with everything. Um mm-hmm. Like, right. And if you meditate on that for long enough, it starts, you know, it starts to appear then what you look at in the world, like you mm-hmm. really experience it. It's not just this intellectual mm-hmm. thing. It's something you're really getting into. Yeah. Now you said at the center, there was zero and seven. It, it, what's that? And the number of um, petals there? I think I'm no, um, the petals are only six. I think six is there's kind of this idea of the the flower of life, which is six. Mm-hmm. But you know, on the first day, um, well, you know, on day zero before everything happened, mm-hmm. let's say, it's kind of the same as the last day where God said God rests. Yeah, it's this return back to like it's zero and set. You know, it's cycling through the six days that are active, and on the last day, you know, it's returning back to this restful mm-hmm. state. So. Um, yes, there's only six, but it's like, uh, I don't know if you've seen one of those shapes. I don't know what they're called. There's like an empty center and then it spirals out. That's what I'm seeing in my head. I don't know how to, that's not going to work at all for anybody who's just listening, (laughs) but uh, it's like a diagram in my head that made sense. Good. I love it. All right. Let's go to the next one. So this is Cain and Abel and we have Cain, um, killing Abel. And Cain is is red, fiery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and um, and like the earth, and um, this came out of um, a dream that I had actually, mm-hmm. uh, 2016, which was a weird year, um, in the U.S. with the the elections and sort of the just everything started to feel very weird and polarized, mm-hmm. and. Mm had this dream about two wolves fighting like a red one and a blue one and the red one just tore <laughs> tore up the other one mm-hmm. and i was thinking about this story a lot and i don't know it just clicked um it just clicked and there was this i don't know if this is, this will make sense for everybody who might be listening but there was this feeling of like this collective shadow mm-hmm. this collective destructive side that was just coming up you know it was coming up everywhere um like politically and then all of a sudden we're talking about all these you know there's like me too and the trans stuff come there was all these polarizing opposites coming up and there was a lot of anger mm-hmm. resentment i guess i don't know there was a lot of stuff going on and it just clicked with that story for me so much like as a like i was it was a real, it was a real experience. It was um, because I realized right off the bat, this doesn't look like Cain and Abel necessarily, but I guess it caught the pattern for me. Absolutely does. Yeah. Just that um, God speaking to Cain, Cain, if you don't uh, deal with this, sin is crouching at your door waiting to have you. But the idea of the shadow, um, I don't know if we can explain that for for people, but the the shadow and I've spoken about the shadow a little bit in other episodes, but it's it's the the parts of your life you don't like, you know, the parts that you try to keep down, distance yourself from, not show about yourself. They could be sin. They could not be sin. 
I think a lot of times people think that they're only evil things, but you can turn anything into your shadow so long as it's something that you don't like about yourself. And, and, and like you think of 2016 and where our culture is, both the, how the sides uh, have developed are like we, we don't like something. We maybe project it on the other side. We suppress it in our own life, but you can only do that for so long before it does leap out and just almost like this picture and, and devours you if you don't learn how to integrate it properly into the rest of your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And the shadow thing is weird because you are related to your shadow, right? You don't get away from your shadow. Mm-hmm. It's um, trying to suppress something or, or just get away from it is still having a relationship to it. Yeah. And the mm-hmm. more light you put yourself in uh, or the, or the more, the purer of that thing that you don't like in yourself, the purer you think that you are from it, the more it's going to grow. <laughs> Right, yeah. Right? You just the bigger ignoring your something harder become. doesn't make it go away. Yeah. It's um I think like the the kind of maybe like a technical definition is so the ego is what you think of yourself as. So anything that you don't think of yourself as would be in the shadow, right? Mm-hmm. It would be the not me part. Mm-hmm. But you know, these things still belong to you if you're like holistically. Maybe you're not in touch with it, but that's a whole other thing. But, yeah. um, no, even Jesus said that out of the heart comes all these things. Like we're all these things, evil, malice, lust, envy, all these, uh, all these things that we don't like. He's like, mm-hmm. they're inside of you. Don't pretend like they're out there and right. everybody else's problems. No, you got to recognize that, that they're in you. Now that doesn't mean Jesus wasn't saying, nor are we saying that therefore you need to act on all these things all the time, but you at least right. need to recognize where, where they come from. And like I said, sure, have them yeah. properly uh, in your life. Right. Like recognize the evil in your own heart. Yeah. Otherwise, if you're pointing at other people, I mean, that's that creates disasters. That's so right. that that idea was just very um, relevant for me. I mean, it was for kind of I mean, I think everybody was kind of thinking about those things from that point forward. I mean, it's been a weird few years. Right. But this. Yeah, this this picture, though, really captures that. And I hope people can see that. Like when you think of the. Yeah the debates and all the arguments and fighting. I mean, this is it. Mm-hmm. This is it. Um, so let me go to the the next, the last one that I have, I believe. Uh, this is Jonah. Again, not something I've, I've seen in a children's book, put this way. Um, yeah. I love how terrifying the fish, the serpent looks. Like, I don't want to, I'd rather just... Uh, Jordan Peterson lately has been saying, because he's, I guess he's been thinking about Jonah, but lately he's been thinking, uh, or he's been saying it'd be way easier just to die, (laughs) just to be be drowned rather than have to face that monster basically. And um, I think this picture captures that so well. Yeah. Thank you. Um, Well, it was kind of terrifying to me, I guess. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the first Bible story that I focused on. I didn't know that I wanted to do that. This was the first one. And I was like, hey, maybe wow. this is something, you know, I should stick with. Um, wow. I hadn't tried it before. But um, yeah, I, I, <sighs> Jonah's prayer really struck me. It's short and it's very beautiful. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, I, I guess I was having... I, 
I was having a pretty bad time at that time, mm-hmm. you know, feeling like I got chucked out of the boat or whatever. And um, mm. I guess this is just how it came out. I mean, this is kind of the way it was looking for me. So I don't know what else to say about that. But, you know, he did say recently, too, I think like the whale saves you. But yeah, you don't want to have to be swallowed by the whale. Right. But mm. instead of drowned, you do get you know, swallowed up at least. But um, yeah, it was kind of a whole going into the underworld experience, I suppose. I love how you have, I mean, Jonah's really small right here and I'm not that close to the screen screen right now. So I can't really tell, but it looks like he's, I mean, he looks like a diver diving down. Is that, am I seeing that the right way? I think he's kind of falling, but he's very small and the monster is very big. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I suppose that's how it feels, right? When you find yourself in the middle of all the chaos and and everything else, it's it's overwhelming and it's too big for you. Mm-hmm. And this is part of the 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 pattern or the symbolism and the pattern that like like you said, that's a part of it's a part of reality, part of life that for people to grasp when they when they see this they see this artwork and read this story, that you said something very important. A minute ago, and that was, in order to be saved, you have to be swallowed. Basically, yeah. you have you have to be devoured, and and life is like that. For, I mean, that's just how life works. We're, um, you know, we're cruising along, uh, maybe on the surface, thinking we have everything figured out, and we're going after these goals, doing our thing, and but we're really, if we want to get to the next level of health or growth or, God often. Uh, engineers a fish a whale a serpent to swallow us and you have to be devoured your life has to fall apart um and that's that you have to die in order to be resurrected and jesus uh, jesus said unless a seed goes to the ground and dies you know it won't it won't be won't bear any fruit won't be born again and Mm -hmm. we have to face those things we have to be devoured and it's not going to be it's not going to be fun. It's going to be terrifying, but at the end, uh, it's necessary, and we'll thank God for that. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Jonah did, but maybe that's another part to uh, to his story. I think that's the last picture I have. I think so. Yeah, that's great. So. Um, what does Mud Hut Illustrations mean? The, the um, name of your Instagram where people can find your work and, and the website too is called Mud Hut. Uh, what is Mud Hut? Am I, um, I'm probably just dense, but. No, you're not. I don't know. I came up with it. I think I was just before college ended or something like that. I mean, it kind of, this idea that we're made out of earth or clay really mm-hmm. struck me and I think for me, because this, I don't know if this will make sense, but because I was, I was thinking like we come up out of the mud and that's like this bottom up experience, experiencing something first and being in that confusion mm-hmm. versus a sort of like um, revelation from above, maybe. I don't know. It just clicked for me. And I was working, I was working outside at the time. I was working at uh, landscaping mm-hmm. nurseries and farms and gardening and stuff like that. So I was like literally in the mud all the time. And it, it made sense, I guess, for where, I don't know, kind of the, the images were coming from for me. Uh, this sort of icky, dirty, you know, 
confused state. Um, but you know, we're sort of, that's what we're kind of made out of. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. So, and you're in, uh, Bulgaria right now, obviously. Um, yeah. and that's a, an Orthodox country and, um, like Jonathan Pajot and there's just been, there's been a resurgence and in interest in Orthodoxy. Um, what's your take on that? What do you think's going on uh, there? A resurgence in the, in the U S I should mm-hmm. say. Well, it's obvious to me being here. I see why there's a resurgence. Okay. It kind of has everything that we're missing. Wow. You know, what are some of those if, things? To me, I mean, I mean, you go into an Orthodox church and it is so beautiful, right? It, I've every single one I've been in. It doesn't matter which one. You know, the really you know grand ones and the very small little chapel type ones. The the walls are covered with icons. So there's the narrative of, you know, there's the images of Christ and the story of Christ everywhere. Mm-hmm. The angels, saints, they're everywhere. The shape of the building is laid out in such a way it's like it's intuitively. When you walk into an Orthodox church, you know, you're in a church, hmm. you know, and you feel like you need to you need to behave accordingly. Yeah, yeah. When I walk into a Protestant church. I don't necessarily know I'm in a church. That's right. Could be in my high school auditorium. Yeah. Why should I not act? You know, it it yeah, doesn't yeah. inform you in the same way. And mm. there's a utilitarian kind of feeling, at least about the churches in the US that I've been in. And they're ugly. And it just it has a bad feeling. And on the one hand, you can see why, you know, maybe the building isn't the most important mm-hmm. thing or whatever. But at the same time, I don't know, to glorify a place that you're supposed to be worshiping in you know is i don't know what's wrong with that i mean i it's i guess it's a very protestant mindset or something that Mm -hmm. we've got going which just makes perfect sense but the images and the the iconography they're so beautiful and i guess being in a more traditional country too it's not there's not this like overly rational thing going on Mm -hmm. they're still connected to their tradition and it just orthodoxy has the mystical side but it's thoroughly christian you know it's Mm -hmm. not new agey it's not buddhism um and we're we've just scrubbed that right out Mm -hmm. of you know american christianity at least that's the sense that i get and i guess we don't even maybe know that we're missing it i Mm -hmm. I had to come all the way over here to realize any of those things you know Mm -hmm. otherwise i wouldn't have thought about it much but being here is just you can see why people are drawn to it and they've maintained this sort of structure. You know, they're not joking around, mm. right? Like They're not messing around with the way they're doing it. The pastor doesn't come out with sneakers and like a t-shirt mm. or whatever. You know, he looks like a priest. He can't, it just has a different feeling. It informs you immediately. Mm. Um, and the images, I mean, because I'm an artist, probably the images and mm-hmm. just the, how beautiful everything is, is very striking to me. So I think that's probably, I don't know, I think probably a lot of younger people, like especially men I've noticed are just, they're just like, it's like they're being pulled, you know, towards it. They almost mm-hmm. can't help it. It just intuitively makes sense that mm-hmm. it's more lined up with you know, our natural religious instinct somehow, maybe. I don't know. Well, it's like exactly. you step into an Orthodox church, for instance, and it feels like you're stepping into one of your paintings. 
it feels like you're stepping into a um a dream right mm. where suddenly um you're seeing everything you didn't notice before now yeah. and and maybe the goal is you step into that place and you see the patterns the the way that the way that Christ works you see the divine story the drama you know you, you see it all around you and and i think the goal then is to then remember that <laughs> go out into your yeah. world see learn to see and recognize the same things out in your life you know and you have to come back <laughs> every week or maybe multiple times a week to recapture the the pattern um and it's it's a very um, versus the typical evangelical American church. I think I just think of the word flat. Um, mm. And I, I wrote a poem recently. I, I think it was called "We Have to." We had to learn to see flat. Like, and I have this idea in my head. Like before we 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 saw things more mystically or more layered, and um. But now we have these these screens, and it actually took our brains and our minds maybe some time to be able to learn to see something flat. Uh, whereas before we we saw things more in their depth and in their patterning and so forth. And um, yeah, I, I it does I, feel like a dream. I I agree with. I like the way you said that. It feels like a dream, which I think is like. It's like the language, it's the language of like the soul. Mm -hmm. When you step into those buildings, that's what it feels mm -hmm. like. And I, we're kind of missing that. I had this experience in college. Um, I was, I became a Christian in college and right away I just started taking different religious courses. And this one course was taught by an Orthodox monk and I didn't know anything. I thought, why not? <laughs> Let's Let's take that. And just in during the course of the course, he um, learned that I was handy uh, with like constructing things. And so he's like, you need to come to the monastery. Um, Padre Antonio, this other monk who only spoke Spanish all the time, Padre Antonio needs a chicken, um, chicken coop built. And I was like, sure, why not? And so I went there and hilarious, you know, I was like a jock, you know, college student, new Christian evangelical, then showing up at this monastery where they made paint, they painted icons, they made candles for lunch uh, every day, whatever we caught in the forest would become a soup. <laughs> and then here's me try, trying to communicate in Spanish, building this, this chicken coop. But um, at certain times of the day, then we would go to the, to their little, you know, within the monastery it was very humble but to their, I don't even know what they call it, their church, their chapel, and have the services. But I, I'd be going from this wooded area, you know, around the chickens and everything, to this, this almost like a portal in the middle of the forest into this other world. And it, it, it and the smells and the, and the sounds and, and the visuals, it really did feel like, feel like a dream. Um, mm -hmm. And like our dreams too, just going back to young anyways, right? Um, a lot of our, our dreams are the things that we do suppress, hold down from the rest of our waking life. And so like if I'm um, pursuing one direction or thinking I'm one way 
my ego uh, in my life. Like, like for instance, so people can understand more. Like, I I always did very well uh, in school. Probably doesn't sound like it, but I always did got good grades. It's learning came easy to me in that. But I always had these dreams where um, I show up for class or I'm in a class and I don't know anything and I can't learn anything. And it's so frustrating. Like I can't even sharpen my pencils. Like I'm so like, so stupid. I can't do anything. But like, that's the the dreams way of compensating. And I believe it's God's way of saying, oh, you think you're all that. You think you're so smart and have everything under control. Well, let me show you the, the reality. The reality is, is that I, God, hold everything together. You're not all that. You, and, and also you need to embrace this other part of yourself that um, it's okay to be dumb. <laughs> it's okay not to know how to yeah. do anything. Because then, then most likely in your, in your waking life, you're, I'm like looking at other people who aren't as smart or whatever and thinking, oh, you're, you know, and I'm judging them, condescending and that. And dreams are, I believe, God's way of, you know, uh, bringing us back to reality. And mm-hmm. that's that's where, like, an Orthodox church, a beautiful church like this, really does bring us back to reality, uh, gives us the fuller picture of, mm-hmm. I can see why that's, that's, that's attractive. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Yeah. And if you read the Church Fathers or something like that, it's... It's like, um, you know, you can see where Jonathan Pejo figured out the symbolic way of thinking. It's it's coming out of that way of thinking. Mm-hmm. It's extremely helpful, I think, when you're when you don't have that. Yeah, it's all right. There. So you can see why people are rushing off to it. What? Um, I saw a video with you, and I think her name was Miranda. Um, yeah, but. You were talking about uh, like a, a network of reenchantment, um, yeah. <laughs> a network of 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 artists, I guess. Yeah, but of reenchantment. What what is that? What do, what do you guys mean by that? How's that going? Um, I know you just had a I had a baby too, and are in a different country. Yeah, but yeah. Well, Miranda also just got married, so everybody's kind of all over the place. But um, I think I was pregnant, so I don't know. It could have been. It could have been up to a year ago. I don't remember mm-hmm. exactly when we had that chat, but there is a group of artists who got together around, not exactly around Paul Vanderclay, but there was a woman, um, an artist, Sherry Harkins, Hawkins, Harkins, can't remember, who started an art group. She's, she's a Christian. She said, I want to talk to other artists about like my faith because in the art community, mm-hmm. you know, that's not necessarily okay. So, you know, she started up a group and they chat, I think every two weeks and I was participating with that a lot, but then, you know, I'm, I'm here now. So the time difference is kind of hard and I had a baby. So I'm kind of out of the loop at the moment, but, um, there's like a discord and a bunch of people were talking, you know, there's artists on there who are talking about like these patterns and how it's, you know, what they're thinking about and the narratives they're thinking about and what they're working on. And we keep trying to make it more of a, outward expression at least we were for a while what can we do about this actually I think Sherry put together a little show on Exodus that's upcoming but I'd have to Mm. find out about that um, because I submitted something for that but Mm. um, 
so we're working on trying to make it more of a real thing. You know, they just had that conference, Paul Vanderclay and crew had that conference. So trying to like make these things more of a reality, but we were just chatting like, can, is that something we could do is there's clearly a bunch of people who are getting into these kinds of ideas and um, it's affecting the way they're seeing their life. It's not just this intellectual thing. It's like they're working these patterns into their life and we keep trying to bring it more of an outward thing, but that was, I guess that was why we kind of had that chat was like, can we do that? What, you know, what, is it even possible? Because Mm -hmm. it's really hard to get people together and go like, okay, we want to do this vague thing, but we don't know how, but I think we just don't have the resources. I don't know if anything that I just said made sense because you kind of have to know the the context, Mm -hmm. but we were working on that idea and there are people who are doing things. There's uh, a filmmaker friend who did a movie, um, like an indie movie about, um, based on the Pieta image. They did like a little movie poster for, there's another guy who's writing. He just finished a book of poetry. It's kind of based around Dante's Inferno Mm -hmm. and his experience. So there's kind of like this underground upwelling Mm -hmm. of, you know, creative people who are experimenting with these things and, you know, Christian, like young Christians and things like that, who are working these things out. But you know, it's very under very underground. We're just kind of working, working on the idea a little bit, seeing where it could go, which isn't very far yet, as it turns out. But you know, we'll we'll we're working on it. Yes, yeah. I, I think I believe Jesus said, uh, "Kingdom of God is like mustard seed, <laughs> small and it and it grows." So I wouldn't worry too much about about size if 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 the life of yeah. God is in it, then. Um, mm-hmm. And by yeah, by re- <laughs> by re- like if it goes, it goes. If it wants to yeah. go, you know, it'll go. And by so. reenchantment, um, what do you mean by that? I know I'm asking basic things. No, it's not really because I don't know how to define that. I kind of you know like I don't know what it is. I guess, but how do you articulate it? I'm not very good at verbally articulating these things. That's why I draw pictures. Um, kind of the like what I don't know what is the definition it's like the magic in the world mm-hmm. you know that has seemed to go away mm-hmm. or it appeared to us to go away that it feels like it's coming back yeah. you know there's monsters that's for sure mm-hmm. so there's other things too you know there's <laughs> spirits and angels and demons mm-hmm. and we're interacting with them but we didn't know they were there I guess mm-hmm. um I think it comes people- from uh maybe a French to sing so like hearing the, the the singing, the music, the magic uh, in world, um, recapturing right. that that yeah unflat almost world, like, <laughs> like the medieval way of thinking. Yeah. almost I don't know how to the music of the spheres. That's yeah. that was their way of saying it. Yeah, and Peugeot, Jonathan Peugeot talks about it a lot. You know, it's like integrating this symbolic way of seeing the world where it's not just a dead thing. There's Mm -hmm. living things everywhere on every, many different levels of many different types and learning to live that way, I guess. So that's what we were talking about. We were talking about, you know, like there's definitely people around who are working on that, but could we like get together and do something about it? And, you know, we're just bouncing that idea around. And if, uh, anyone out there is interested in learning more about that, can they contact you or who could they contact? Yeah, they can contact me. I don't know how easy it is to contact Sherry Harkins, but try. You can definitely contact me. Mm -hmm. Um, 
you go to my website, Mudhut Illustration, or my Instagram, or wherever else you can get a hold of me, and I can try to point you in the right direction. But yeah, there's a little un- underground network, you know. So another, another maybe one or two more questions that I have, but speak to like the the upcoming the younger generations as far as in the american church that um if what what are what do they need what are they after what are they about um because you're doing your your life and trajectory looks a lot i don't know what the word is it's different it's unique um, you're, you're taking life, ve- no, but in the sense that you're taking life and your faith very seriously from a young age, and it doesn't feel like the standard youth group kid who, you know, went through the evangelical system. No, not um, quite. What are you touching on that if, uh, if a pastor is listening to this, that they really need to know about what, what's up and coming and ways that, not that we're changing messages, not that we're, but, but it's something else. I don't know. Could you speak to that? Maybe I can, I can try. I would say that maybe my generation, but probably not as much me. I'm kind of in between, but Mm -hmm. say my brother's generation, he's like seven years, the kids now who are like 20, 22, 18, Mm -hmm. whatever. Me too, though. Let's not be, there is so much chaos. There's so much changing so fast. Okay. And if you talk to somebody my grandparents' age, they're growing, they're, you know, their childhood, they're growing up. It was so unlike what a kid now is experiencing, mm-hmm. which is on a screen, mm-hmm. not going outside and doing things. And, you know, maybe you have your life is very put together and you have a good family structure. Maybe you have, you know, a lot of people don't, you know, they don't have, it's like isolating. Everything is chaotic and unstable. I mean, kids are like questioning their most basic identities of all sorts Mm. from the very youngest age. It is so confusing. Everything Mm. is so in flux right now. And I think that a religious attitude, like a real lived out religious attitude Mm. is going to be so you're going to need to be grounded or everything is just going to sweep you away. Mm-hmm. You know, these things are so much bigger than us. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, it's important. It's actually important. <laughs> things get bad really quickly. Otherwise people get swept away. Um, yeah. And, you know, there's like, I don't know. I don't want to be critical. I'm not really in the church sort of, but in like this like bickering about little stuff like they said kind of the wrong thing or we need to look at the like like the kids are not all right is kind of the mm-hmm. real deal <laughs> you know there's nowhere to go um and their parents aren't all right and you know there's and there's psychedelics there's the internet there's like i don't know weird new age you know how much people talk about now people openly say they're satanists or wiccan or like there's this weird stuff floating around on the internet. You grab onto it and then, you know, that's what you're doing from now on. Mm-hmm. It's like, I don't know. There's just, there's a lot going on. And usually people aren't very aware of that. And I think having a religious attitude is <laughs> going to be vital to mm-hmm. making it, I guess. Um, which for me includes like this sort of 
I don't know, symbolic psychological understanding, that stuff can't be left out Mm -hmm. in my mind. Um, Yeah. Sorry. Did I go? I forgot what the initial question was. No, I love you said on my mind a lot. I said, I love that you said um, the kids are not all right. Yeah. They're faced with so much. There's so much coming at them, so much change, so much chaos. And you talk about the religious attitude and uh, religion comes from religio, which means to bind together. So I like to see it as a very positive thing. It's something that that ties together all of life, your body, right. your interests, yeah. the way you see the world, everything that we've been talking about, that, that holistic, integrated uh, part of life. Um, yeah. That it's not just a set of rules you need to follow. It's everything. It's in everything. It's what you're attending to all the time. Um, Because it's there all the time. This is happening all the time. Like God is here all the time. So it's not just a once a week or like when I open my Bible Mm -hmm. kind of thing. It's all the time. So I guess that's important for me. I like that might be important for other Mm -hmm. people too. I don't know. Just yeah, the kids are not all right. And that is abundantly clear to me. Um, and you got to get your hands dirty a little bit. I mean, goodness gracious, people are so afraid to talk about these weird things like, like, oh no, somebody brought up Jung or somebody brought up psychedelics and you cannot like all the things, but you know, your kids are looking at that. Yeah. yeah. So mm, like, that's, you know, yeah. Yeah. Because if the more you deny it, the more it grows. Yeah. It's all there. Right? It's all happening. Yeah. You know, like it, it's going on. You're just choosing not to look at it. And I totally understand why I like, I perfectly understand mm-hmm. why. Um, it's not that I don't mean to be like critical or whatever, but you know, it's uh, the younger generation and what's going on with them is very unlike what, what their parents or grandparents were dealing with, I guess, at least that's how it looks to me. So, yeah. Um, I don't know, being, I don't, just having good examples having good adult examples mm. and really living it out all the mm. way, not just saying the words, but doing yeah. doing the things. So, and, and it's not uh, flawless examples, but it's, to no. me, it's integrated. It's whole examples. Um, it's yeah. It's not just a lip service. Um, so my, my podcast bumper sticker faith was, was born out of that uh, because for uh for a while I had BS faith. Uh, It was more just lip service. And I thought that, um, yeah, if you just say the right things, say the things that God wants to hear, say the things that other people want to hear, then you're all right. Um, So long as you believe the gospel the right way, um, everything else, you know, it doesn't really matter. We have science to take care of all those things. And I didn't, but then, but then I realized that no, every part of my life needs to be moving in the right direction, needs to be bound Mm -hmm. up together uh, in this, in, in faith, in religion. And Mm -hmm. what I do, you know, what I do with my body, for instance, if I take care of it or not, will affect everything. And then eventually everyone, you know, everyone else. Um, So I'm very, I'm very much passionate about that. And, um, and when I see like a network of reenchantment, for instance, but I, my heart just, I like, yes, like, uh, reenchant us, please, through your artwork, through music, give us, give us the patterns, be that, uh, high school biology book (laughs) 
with, you know, the, the images and the patterns on it, that, that kids, that people can look at, look at your artwork, look at, listen to the music and that and say, Oh, this is what, this is what it is. This is the pattern. So, and mm-hmm. then I can learn to apply that, you know, uh, and see it in my own life. So I, I say a huge amen to all that. So, all right. I think we're going to wrap it up. Uh, Emily, anything, any other final words, thoughts that you have? Mm-hmm. I saw you working on uh, the Pieta sketches. I had a couple of those that I shared from a little bit ago. Right now I'm working on um, a new version of Adam and Eve. I have an old one. I've kind of re-envisioned wow. it. I've got a few commissions going. Um, yeah, I don't know. I just redid my re vamped my website a little bit you can go there and check out my artwork or and people can uh, buy prints there too yep there's prints and a couple originals and if i don't know i'm open for commissions too if you want to contact me about i don't know your favorite bible story or something like that i get so those are great um yeah but i don't know what else to say just thanks for you know inviting me on to talk about it it's been very interesting for me good well, thank you for over this stuff again. Good. Thank you for being being on. And uh, you're uh, again on Instagram at Mud Hut Illustrations. And then your website is Mud Hut Illustrations. Mud Hut Illustration.com. Yep. Okay. Um, all right. Thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, good afternoon there in Bulgaria. Thank you. All right. Oh. All right. So for. Um, people i guess i'm ending the episode i forgot to end it the regular way so thanks for listening everybody uh you can learn more at bumperstickerfaith.com uh, uh, you can support us on uh, patreon become a bs crew member and um we're on instagram kind of newly and facebook so you can check us out there and uh let us know what you think so thanks everyone for joining us and remember don't go stepping in no bs <laughs> <laughs>